0: Thank you for joining us on the Sword and Trial today. Today, Graham and I are going to be talking about what is going on in the month of June that has captured the imaginations of people all across the United States and beyond. And we touch on things like the new law against homosexuality and Uganda and also the Los Angeles Dodgers with their uh, invitation and then rescinding the invitation and reissuing the invitation with deep apologies to the sisters of perpetual perversion. And we're also uh, talking about just different things about how Christians Ought to respond in a day of increasing wickedness, and we need to be prepared, if need be, to be fired. And it's not going to be enough to be nice. And if you think that by being nice that you can opt out of the war that is being brought to us by paganism and wickedness in our society, you're naive, and uh, you need to be awakened from your naivete and be given renewed strength and hope and courage in the risen Christ to stand firm and to be courageous in his word. So thanks for listening today. Welcome to the sword and trowel. Sword and Trials a podcast of Founders Ministries and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. We're delighted to have you join us today as we celebrate this June, the beginning of the month of June, which is very significant. June 1st, of course, is something that ought to call everyone who looks at the calendar to... Uh, Praise God that it's a one-year anniversary of the Dobbs decision. Yeah, it's life month. That's right. It's life month. Over through Roe v. Wade when the uh, Supreme Court justice finally came to their senses and read the Constitution again and said, no, wait a minute. Uh, The right to abortion is not, in fact, in the Constitution of the Mm. United States. So we thank the Lord with this one-year anniversary of that. But we also acknowledge that there are people who have co-opted the month of June for what they call Pride Month. Yeah, it is the most holy
1: and sacred month in our, our secular religion.
0: That's right. Paganism has its way uh, this month in all the theme parks and all the displays in different places like Target. Although you may have to walk to the back of the store this month now <laughs> to see some of the things in Target. And, uh, you know, the LA Dodgers are in on the act as well. So we just want to talk about some of those things from a Christian point of view, about how should Christians think about uh, not just the whole Pride Month, the LGBTQ. IA plus agenda, but the way that corporations and municipalities and individuals and religious leaders and some so-called Christians and Christian churches, so-called, are caving in to this and trying to celebrate the diversity that includes what the Bible calls perversity. Mm. So, Graham, what are you doing for uh, the Pride month of June?
1: You know, it's interesting. Um, I think that in years past, every year, every June, you see the ball get pushed further and further and further, and the Overton windows shift further and further and further into new and previously unimagined forms of perversity. Right. Um, and of course, this year is no different. I, I, you know, we're not even. Into June yet, and we're we're already seeing these massive pushes by major corporations. I you know I think Christians just have an obligation just to speak to the issue, just yeah. to speak to it, you know, and just to call it out as wrong. I think there are two temptations though, when we face this issue of homosexuality or LGBTQ stuff. Uh, this is the point in which the church faces the most um, severe. Pushback and the harshest criticism from our society, yeah. and so many Christians are tempted to just not say anything and not react in any way and kind of just let it go, um, because it could make people not want to listen to us when we preach the <laughs> gospel. You know. Yeah. And then the other temptation is to become so caustic in our opposition to it um, that we kind of totally blow our witness and our un, you know people are not able to see us as gracious and compassionate and kind which is what we want to be in order that we would be able to to proclaim the gospel but one thing that we have to remember is if you criticize lgbtqism at all in any way whatsoever, you're going to be accused of being far too caustic, both by Christians and by non-Christians alike.
0: Absolutely. And uh, as if I needed a reminder, which I don't think that I do, I got one when uh, just yesterday I uh, happened to read a a quote or tweet by Ted Cruz Mm -hmm. on Twitter. And I've been off Twitter. I've been out in the wilds of Alaska for the last couple of weeks, blissfully unplugged, which I'm so delighted. You should have saved that for the middle of June. <laughs> I should have, yeah. Should have gone in June. So uh, while I was away, you know, all my social media accounts just kind of went uh, uh, silent for a while, which was, was fine. And I, I'm Some people have emailed me and texted me, called me, and I've just not been able to get back to those as well. Because I just, I did. I t- unplugged. I turned off my phone, turned it on, do not disturb when I had it on. And I basically ignored the rest of life except just what I was trying to focus on out there. But this morning, sometime today, or it would be yesterday when this drops now, uh, when Ted Cruz put up this statement about a law that was signed into existence by the president of Uganda, Ted Cruz writes this, this Uganda law is horrific and wrong. It's a law that criminalizes homosexual activity uh, including the death penalty for those who would rape children in homosexual abuse. And Ted Cruz says, this Uganda law is horrific and wrong. Any law criminalizing homosexuality or imposing the death penalty for, quote, aggravated homosexuality, which is, they as they define it, you know, rape, it would be uh, homosexual sexual activity against children. Mm-hmm. Well, in the state of Florida, the free state of Florida, you do that and you're, you're going to get the death penalty as well if you're convicted because we have a governor who's sane and who mm-hmm. recognized that and, and push that. But Cruz says, and I like Ted Cruz.
1: Yeah, he's one of the best we got in he, Washington, frankly.
0: He was my man in the primaries, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, yeah, so this was so sad to me. He writes, any law that criminalizes homosexuality or imposing the death penalty for, quote, Aggravated homosexuality is grotesque and an abomination. All civilized nations should join together in condemning this human rights abuse. Uh, And then he does a hashtag with LGBTQ horrific wrong. Abomination is what he uh, calls this law in Uganda, any law that Mm -hmm. would criminalize homosexuality. Well, what I did is simply quote tweeted Ted, and what he said, and said, tell it to God, and then cited Leviticus twenty thirteen. if a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death, and their blood is upon them. What this law God gave to his old covenant people, is it horrific and wrong? That's mm-hmm. the question. So I'm not advocating the death penalty for homosexuals. I'm simply acknowledging Tom. I read the tweet. That is exactly <laughs> what you're advocating. That's what people are saying, you know. Or, or hey, have you ever heard of the New Testament? All I'm advocating for is that Ted Cruz's judgment is a judgment against God. Mm-hmm. He's calling what God gave as a statute to his old covenant people, Israel. Ted Cruz says it's an abomination. You know, he, he, he says that this is grotesque. That uh, this is horrific and wrong. So the the problem that I have here is Ted Cruz, a professed Christian, mm-hmm. saying that what God did was an abomination, horrific mm-hmm. and wrong. Yeah, It can't be those things if God prescribed it for his old covenant people. We're not under the old covenant. America is not a covenant nation. I'm not an old covenant Jew. I am a Christian. We live in a constitutional republic. And so all of those things have to be taken into account when we want to argue about the penal code in this nation. And I'm happy to have those conversations. But it has nothing to do with the correction that I was trying to bring to Ted Cruz's unfounded castigation of God right. and calling what God did an abomination. But, man, I'm not just the LGBTQ plus folks and the uh, open proud pagan folks but i've had people describe themselves as conservative christians that are appalled that i would make that statement mm-hmm. so to your point uh we've got to get over this idea that if we're just nice enough people will not get upset by what we say now just quote the bible just yeah. quote certain verses of the bible i want to know what other verses of the bible are there that embarrass so-called Christians? Because Mm -hmm. if you got any Bible verses that embarrass you, uh, you got a real problem with God.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of discussion and conversation about the culture war. Should Christians engage in the culture war? I'm one who thinks absolutely 100% Christians ought to engage in the culture war. And it's not as though we are on the offensive, but we're on the defensive, (laughs) right? We have been... Uh, assaulted culturally and so we're defending ourselves and it's by no means is it the church's first um, order of business to engage in cultural issues like proclaiming the gospel and seeking the advancement of the kingdom uh, is our first order of business but we should still be interested in a culture which honors the lord and um, I think uh, there's a lot of conservatives and a lot of Christians who are fighting the culture war. They wanna see that, or at least they say they wanna see that, but then when it comes to the homosexuality issue, they know that it, you know it's the third rail of politics and <laughs> if you touch it, then you're gonna get electrocuted. So let's not go anywhere around this homosexuality issue. Let's, you know, homosexual marriage is fine. Whatever two is consenting adults do mm-hmm. in their own bedroom, that's fine, whatever. We're not gonna have anything to say about it. But if we're not willing to be courageous and speak the truth when it comes to the homosexuality issue, everybody wants to be courageous when it comes mm-hmm. to to the transgender issue because it's so patently ridiculous right now everybody wants to be courageous when it comes to transgenders grooming children right at this point um but when it comes to the homosexual issue let's not touch it let's not talk about it and and Ted Cruz is a perfect example in this instance like you're not being courageous the way that you ought to be you're not Mm -hmm. fighting the way that you ought to be and if we're gonna take this line when it comes to homosexuality we're not gonna make it we are not gonna advance in this in this uh in this fight, you know it's interesting that he he says that the death penalty for aggravated homosexuality is grotesque and an abomination. And the way in which the law in Uganda defines aggravated homosexuality is, like you said, it is um, homosexual acts with a child, also homosexual acts with somebody who is mentally impaired, homosexual mm-hmm. acts with somebody who is um, who is uh, sleeping or passed mm-hmm. out. Or whatever. So right. it's basically rape right. is what's being right. addre- addressed here. I don't understand how that is grotesque and an abomination.
0: No, I agree with you. And uh, to your point about the culture war, it's it's here. You know, if you if you say, "Hey, we're not going to fight," I get it. I don't want to be a cultural warrior. I don't want to wake up every morning thinking, "You know, who can I fight again today?" Mm-hmm. It, it's not that. But when somebody blasphemes my God, especially from within the camp, like Ted Cruz did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvin said, you know, even a dog barks whenever his master is struck. And so we certainly have a responsibility to speak to those who are inside the camp to try to help us think rightly because the culture is discipling us. And again, I like Ted Cruz, but I think he's a classic example of having been discipled by the culture on this particular issue. And brothers and sisters, um, you can opt out of this war If you'd like to, you can at least try to do that. But be assured of this, that the things that you're willing to not say today are going to be increased tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you're going to be called upon to bow the knee to Baal, to bow the knee to Moloch, because nothing less than a complete overthrow of the Judeo-Christian worldview and of Jesus Christ as king of kings is uh, nothing less than that is in sight yeah. of those who who are pushing these agendas. So I love what the um, Anglican um, Archbishop of Uganda, the Most Reverend, yeah, the the Most <laughs> Reverend Doctor Stephen Samuel Kazamimba Mugalu, I think I got that right, said about this homosexual act of 2023. He writes this, the Church of Uganda welcomes the diligent work of Parliament and His Excellency, the President, in crafting the Anti-Homosexuality Act of 2023. We're grateful that the current act affirms the merits of the existing provisions in the current penal code. We're also grateful that the act builds on existing laws by offering greater protection of children through strong anti-grooming measures, strong restrictions on promotion and protection of children by not allowing those... Convicted under the Act to be employed in organizations that work directly with children. We also appreciate that the Act protects people from false allegations. Uh, he goes on and and just uh, says some wonderful things. Um, He says there have always been a few people in our communities who were known as homosexuals and the communities knew how to relate with them. The fact that very few of our local languages even have a word for homosexuality shows how it is not a part of our cultures and our communities. This is one of the areas where our culture is aligned with the Bible, which never speaks positively about homosexual relationships. Well, there's a basket full of things to go after there. Mm. I mean, where are the folks that are the (laughs) anti-colonialists? Where are you people that are concerned about us impressing our Western ways on other civilizations and other nations? Here is a nation that says we don't even have a word for homosexuality in most of our tribal dialects. And yet you're trying to force us. And he goes on to talk about how it's come from the West. Yeah. And he cites Western nations where LGBTQIA plus agendas have taken hold. In the name
1: of human rights. In the
0: name of human rights, that they have just fallen into moral decadence. And we could look in the mirror here in the United States Mm -hmm. and see exactly what he's talking about.
1: One of the issues he brings up is the moral
0: decadence
1: and the disillusion of the the culture, but then also the uh, precipitous drop in birth rates as well for for nations who... uh, embrace LGBTQ issues. You know, if Mike Stone wasn't running for president of the SBC, I'd write in the Archbishop of Uganda's <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, you know. I mean, isn't it, isn't it wonderful to see someone who is unashamed, mm-hmm. unapologetic, and just is willing to say things plainly that uh, everybody believed 10 minutes ago. Yeah.
1: I wish that we had that kind of leadership and courage in the church today. No, in we, d- we don't have
0: it. We simply don't have it among evangelical leaders. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a few outliers here and there, but uh, the so-called respected leaders of the evangelical world are, are mute. Mm-hmm. They they are, um, I think, sinfully mm-hmm. silent on these issues. They're willing to speak. When it's safe, they're willing to speak. Whenever they've kind of tested which way the wind's blowing, but uh, to stand against the onslaught,
1: man, uh, they're they're willing to defend issues that aren't under attack. That's right. <laughs> so courageously,
0: <laughs> yeah, they're willing to uh, to run to the flooded side of the boat, you know, with <laughs> a fire extinguisher. Or however, yeah. <laughs> that's that's said, you know, you yeah, they're doing exactly what's not needed at this hour. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you for joining us today on this episode of The Sword and the Trowel. We wanted to invite you to join us for our Founders National Conference coming up January 2024. Uh, this next year's uh, theme is Remember Christ. That's January 18th through the 20th. Tom Askel will be there, Conrad Bayway, Joel Beakey, Phil Johnson, Travis Allen. It's going to be a wonderful time. And this year we're actually going to have Spanish translation as well. That'll be there in person and also on uh, the live stream. So uh, we would ask you to join us. You can get tickets there on the website at founders.com. We also want to make you aware of the new Father's Day bundles that are coming out for the Father's Day. You can get for the dad in your life, and in those Father's Day bundles, we have these brand new founders ties. They're beautiful. They're club style. They have the founders logo on them. They are navy blue. It's just a classic look for basically any dress. So, uh, grab yourself a Father's Day bundle for the dad in your life.
0: So, what does it mean to be a Christian in a um, uh, increasingly pagan world, multicultural world, and here in the United States, in a constitutional republic? Mm. Uh, we've got those that are saying, "Look, we need to just abide by the Constitution, forget your Christianity, or don't try to think about Christian ideas and Christian values, Christian laws, but just go to the Constitution." Well, you know, praise God, but that Constitution grew out of a Christian understanding of the world. So how do we as Christians live in a constitutional republic where we see immorality just overwhelming Mm -hmm. every institution, every municipality, every corporation? I have a couple of thoughts on that. We've talked about it before. Number one, recognize we have freedoms in this country because of our constitution that is grounded in and grew out of a Christian view of the world. And those freedoms allow us to speak at least thus far. Mm. Oh, there are people that will try to cancel you. They, that's what's going on on Twitter right now uh, with me, people wanting my job, people wanting Twitter to kick me off. And, you know, that may happen. I don't know. But we have the right to speak. I don't think we'll fire you, Tom. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's one of the things. I mean, I've had some people reach out to me. And I'm so grateful. They man, we're praying for you, you know, and they've sent me some wonderful, heartwarming quotes. And, and I, I appreciate that. Those are wonderful encouragements. But I want to assure uh, my friends, I don't care mm. what, these folks think. I really don't care uh, how they speak about me on this. I, I pillow my head at night knowing that I have a God who loves me, I have a Christ who sa- sacrifices life for me, I have a family who loves me, I have a church who loves me, and uh, no matter whatever else may come, uh, those things are true. Mm. And I believe that my friends and family, uh, I have a few friends that, that few will still call themselves my friends, you know, they, they at least <laughs> tolerate me. Behind closed uh, doors. Yeah, that's right. You know, that, They will hold me accountable. And uh, will help me to think rightly and correct me where I need to be corrected. Um, so it doesn't matter what the world uh, says about us. And I think that's a, a healthy attitude. And again, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll acknowledge it's, it's not always easy. God's given me a lot of practice with it. And so over time, you know, you just kind of get used to it. But brothers and sisters, we're told we're to rejoice When men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, Mm -hmm. rejoice and be exceedingly glad for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's what Jesus said in the sermon on the Mount. So how should we respond Mm -hmm. when people slander you for standing for righteousness? Rejoice, be exceedingly glad. Don't let those who are pushing this vile agenda intimidate you into silence And don't let them rob you of the joy you have in Christ. So that's one. We're under a constitution. And as such, we are citizen kings. We don't have a king to rule over us in this nation. We're citizen kings, and we have responsibility to to seek the welfare of the constituents of our nation. But beyond that, it is the second great commandment to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And what does it look like to love somebody who has been taken captive by the devil to do his will, who's been blinded into all kinds of sexual confusion and wicked immorality. What does love look like towards such a person like that? Well, it's not patting him on the head or looking the other way or saying, you know, what you do behind closed doors is fine. I'm not going to speak to that. It's not. Mm-hmm. There's a savior for sinners. But if a person is not convinced that he's a sinner, if he thinks his lifestyle is not sinful he is not going to look for a savior he's not going to welcome a savior at those points and i think oftentimes christians in the name of being nice or what they think is loving they're actually being hateful Mm -hmm. because they're keeping people from the only source of real healing real love real restoration, real forgiveness of sins, which is Jesus Christ, who came into the world to save even the chief of sinners. And that includes me, includes Graham, everyone that you know who's a Christian has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he can save the person who's been caught up in the most vile sexual perversion or the most wicked, sinful activity you can imagine because the gospel is the power of God to save everybody who believes.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that 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 is the message uh, that either homosexuals or allies or whoever they are, that's the message they need to hear. But if we are continually telling them, like, what you're doing is there's nothing wrong with it. What you're doing is not sinful. You know, we accept you. We love you. Oh, and by the way, you need to be saved. It's like, saved from what?
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm not a sinner.
1: So it's almost like we try to win them over with a false message of their innocence in order to, so that we can tell them about their condemnation so that they can be saved, but we're just working against our, ourselves in the message of the gospel.
0: It, it, yeah, it's exactly right. And you see how confused evangelical leaders are with uh, what was pointed out to me today by a couple of different people, this Rachel Gilson is speaking at a pastor's wife luncheon, I think, at the Southern Baptist Convention coming up in June and also speaking at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary where she is a student, and she identifies herself. In her bio, her self-description is, I'm attracted to women and married to a man. And she was answering a question. She's with Crew, I think, and she was answering a question about what what happens when homosexual couples who are married under the uh, civil arrangements of our nation become christians what should they do and she said, well you know uh they they should divorce but you know god still hates divorce and 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 actually cited first corinthians 7 as applicable to two homosexuals who've come together in a false marriage it's not marriage so it can't be divorced it's not marriage (laughs) exactly and to say well you know i'm attracted to women but i'm going to be celibate that's not celibacy Mm. It's like saying, "Well, I'm I'm a tra- I'm, an, I'm a pedophile. I'm attracted to to children, but I'm going to be celibate. Or I'm a a murderous attracting Christian, but I'm not going to murder anybody. I'm going to be celibate. That's not what the word means. Mm. Uh, I'm going to resist giving myself to sin. This is absolutely crazy. It shows the lack of moral reasoning that exists in places like Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary and whoever's responsible for scheduling the." Pastor's wife's uh, luncheon at the Southern Baptist Convention. And sadly, evangelicalism is rampant with that lack of clear biblical moral reasoning today.
1: Well, it's because we've been catechized so effectively by the world. And it starts with places like Target selling <laughs> rainbow t shirts to children, it starts at a very young age selling transgender. Uh, clothing to people like we are catechized by the world and we're Mm -hmm. more effectively catechized by the world than we have been by our churches for probably a generation now yeah and so even in our seminaries we have more uh more teaching from the world than we have from the scriptures yeah um which gets to the whole issue when it comes to target and the boycotts going on there yeah
0: i mean target i you know i want to go on record that i am boycotting bud light (laughs) I've been boycotting Bud Light since the day I was born. (laughs) That's right. Same same here. Uh, But isn't it crazy that these municipalities have been so influenced by this uh, worldwide agenda to try to move – uh, civilization into these realms where this kind of wickedness is normalized, and they just cave to it, even when they lose money and mm. th- they will continue to do it, which shows you something. Even when they lose 10 billion dollars in market capital in a week, yeah, yeah, you know, and look, look at the Anheuser-Busch, and I- anyway, all of that stuff is there. But aren't you glad it's summer? So, hey, you can go to the ballpark and watch. Mm-hmm. Major League Baseball, and be free from all this unless you go to watch the Dodgers. (laughs) We'll never be free. We'll never be free. I I haven't even got up to speed fully on what's happened with the Los Angeles Dodgers and uh, the Sisters of Perpetual Perpetual Indulgence, indulgence, which Mm -hmm. includes this very confused, wicked man that used to be in the... Uh, government, nuclear energy department. Uh, Some, Sam Brinton. Sam Brinton, who yeah, dresses like a dog when he's not dressing like a woman. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, it, and these these are not just transgender people; these are transgender people whose agenda is to mock Christianity mm-hmm. and the Dodgers. Mock the
1: Mother Mary, mock Jesus, you know, mock Christianity, especially Catholicism. Catholicism, yeah.
0: And so, what do, what do the Dodgers do? Oh, this would be a great group to bring in. And uh, when they got outcry about it, they said, well, we're not going to have you. And then they got more outcry from the LGBTQ activists. So they they brought them back. We're sorry. Please forgive us. We're going to do better. You know, you come. It's absolutely crazy.
1: Well, and, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that they said about the group, the Dodgers said about uh, the Sisters (laughs) of Perpetual Indulgence, is that we are grateful for them and their life-saving work. I mean, these are people who do incredibly blasphemous, um, sexually explicit things in public, and we're grateful for the life-saving work. Why, why would they say that? How could they say that? Well, they're saying it because this is one of the ways in which they continue to push transgenderism and transgender laws and policies forward, is that you know, if you don't accept people, and their mental delusion and their sexual perversion that they are the person of the opposite sex, what you're doing is you are leading them to suicide. That's right. You're killing them. Yep. you're killing them. And if, if we can have sexual perversion and transgenderism out in the open as much as possible, these transgender people will see, okay, that's normal. That's good. I can be that. And then they won't commit suicide.
0: You know, in, in their statement, in the Dodgers official statement, they added this, in the weeks ahead, we will continue to work with our LGBTQ plus partners to better educate ourselves, find ways to strengthen the ties that bind, and use our platform to support all of our fans who make up the diversity of the Dodgers family. In other words, we are down for the struggle session, mm. and we are happy to listen to our betters and those our superiors who are going to disciple us on how we ought to think, how we ought to speak, how we ought to act. This is, this is pure uh, Marxism, man. This mm-hmm. is power politics, mm-hmm. power play, um, coming right into... America's favorite pastime. So you know, when it comes to Target,
1: when it comes comes to Bud Light, when it comes to the Dodgers, what do you think of the boycotts?
0: I'm for it, man. I'm not going to spend my money uh, to support people who want to do away with me or who denigrate my Lord and Savior. And I know that you can't do that completely, but where I can, I'm going to do mm-hmm. it. I do it without any apology on it. Um, and I think it's wise. I think it's mm-hmm. good. I think Christians ought to do that. I think we ought to be developing some. Um, parallel economies where we can and that's Mm. being done and I'm grateful for that there are companies that are saying no we're not going to do this and I want a list of those and I've begun to to get a list of those together and try to to send my business there I mean Mm -hmm. why in the world would I give you money when you're going to spit in my face Mm -hmm. and tell me that I'm the problem of this nation and I'll tell you another thing it goes back to uh, I remember a a real sobering phone conversation I had back in 2000. 19, if I remember right, it was a, a man who was in the athletic department of a power five school in the South. And he'd been there for years, loved his job. But they were just beginning to push diversity, uh, equity, and inclusiveness. And they were making him uh, read a Robin D'Angelo's book on white fragility. And he was saying, "I, you know, this stuff's just coming in. This is crazy. I'm a Christian." He said, I don't know what to do, and and as we talked more about it, and he he he'd sent me some stuff too about what was going on. He said, "So, said, well, what should I do?" I said, "I think you should prepare to be fired. You should prepare to be fired.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Either either you're going to be forced to go along, or you'll stand up for Christ, and you will be treated like Christ, mm-hmm. and you'll be canceled, you'll be dismissed, and uh, that's true. I understand there's some Christians in the Dodgers organization." I haven't Mm -hmm. seen them yet, but Mm -hmm. if they're Christians in the Dodgers organization, uh, what kind of Christianity is it? What kind of faith do you have that would sit still for this kind of blasphemous conduct and promotion of blasphemy by the company you work for? How could you not speak to this? Uh, So prepare to be fired, brothers and sisters, and find jobs, start jobs, start businesses where you can be instrumental in resisting this and provide uh, sources of income and livelihood mm-hmm. for Christians like yourself who will not bow the knee to bail.
1: Speaking of shout out to a friend of the show, um, Miller's Grove soap. If you get your soap at Target, you're not going to go to Target anymore. <laughs> go to Miller's Grove soap. Make Absolutely. Excellent soap.
0: Yeah. Miller's Grove soap. This is uh, uh, one of the elders in our church, their family does this mm-hmm. and, Man, it's it, it's good stuff, and they have also these uh, oils, essential oils, mm-hmm. I think it is, or something. They do all kind of stuff, but uh, we'll put the link to Miller's Grove Miller, in the show. In Miller's the, Grove in the show notes. in the show notes. he will put that in the show notes because that's one example of what can be done. So not just protest and boycott, mm-hmm. but man, start producing, yeah. start doing things that will benefit others and do it in a way that honors God. And that is that's kingdom work, you know. Absolutely. Doing that kind of stuff.
1: And it's this is not to say that if you go shop at Target in the month of June that you are in sin. You know, we're not binding anybody's <laughs> yeah. conscience. Yeah. But like you said there's great wisdom, you know, if you have an opportunity, you know, we're we're using Macintosh computers and I uh,
0: covered mine up. I was, why did you tell (laughs) people that? (laughs) And
1: and, you know, the same could be said, why aren't we boycotting Apple? And you know, Lord willing, if it ever becomes effective to do it, I think I would probably do it. But right now it's effective to boycott target. Right. And if the Christians can jump on the bandwagon and make a statement and say, hey, we don't want you catechizing our children with this nonsense, then it's a very prudent thing to do.
0: Yeah. And it's not that we're saying, Target, you got to only start selling Christian merchandise. Right. We're just saying, don't catechize our children in wickedness. Mm-hmm. And there's a vast difference between those two things. Well, June is upon us quickly. And uh, we ought to thank God for what he did last year in causing the Supreme Court to throw out Roe v. Wade as unconstitutional. And we ought to pray for our LGBTQ friends and folks in our communities who are caught up in the sinful lifestyles, thinking that it's normal, thinking that it's right mm-hmm. to be this way. And uh, we ought to have lives that are open to them, loving them, but loving them in the truth. We, we're told in 1 Corinthians 13, Love rejoices with truth. So you don't love somebody if you buy into their lie. Mm. If you let them live a lie and you participate in it. And sometimes that's going to put you in a very difficult spot where you're going to have to humbly yet firmly say, no, I'm sorry, sir. I cannot call you a woman because you're not a woman God made you to be a man and that's all that you're going to be because God is the one who says what a woman and a man is and that is a
1: sacrificial act of love absolutely to, to be courageous enough to do that and take the arrows for doing that and, and telling someone the truth
0: yeah Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today on the Sword and Trial. If you've benefited from this podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe to it. Spread it around. Tell other people about uh, this podcast. And if there's ways that we can serve you here at Founders, let us know that.
2: Why are we here? What is the most important thing in the world?
0: One of our greatest problems is, is forgetting. We we forget what God has done for us. We forget what God has taught us. We forget things that we have experienced.
2: If we don't pause, if we don't think deeply, if we aren't reminded again and again and again, we forget.
0: It strikes me pretty significantly in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ. Why in the world would Paul tell a pastor to remember Christ? Well, he's not gonna forget that Jesus Christ lived and that Jesus Christ taught, but he's gonna forget the significance of Christ.
2: Christ is ultimately our mission. The church is the body of Christ. A church has to focus on the supremacy of Christ because that's why we are the church.
0: Christ is supreme over all. The church's great mission is to preach Christ.
2: We're there to win souls. We're there to advance Christ's kingdom. The problem with the world is not that they don't agree with me. The problem is that they don't bow the knee to Christ. So that's why
0: we're going to gather to specifically, explicitly focus on the supremacy of Christ, to do our best to remind each other of the centrality of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ. So join us in Fort Myers, Florida, January 18th through 20th, 2024, as we focus on Jesus Christ. I hope to see you there.